Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an indie record label. Thank you so much for listening. I got to tell you, I'm a little bit, uh, um, what is it called? Flustered? Is that the right word? Um, I was just about to edit this episode and it's, it's been a, it's been a kind of a weird month. I don't know. I've had a lot of cancellations. It's just been a weird month for the podcast. It's the summer, whatever. Um, but I went to edit this episode to get it ready to, to publish and I opened up the file and there was nothing there. There was no files. It was, it was completely empty. And so I, you know, you start to panic a little bit, but you're like, certainly there was, there's a reason and, and it's somewhere hidden here. And, and then I, I finally found it. I remembered we had some technical difficulties and I had saved a session as untitled and I found it in my recycling bin on my desktop. Can you believe that? My recycling bin and, and it hadn't been deleted. Thank God. My goodness. Um, what a month it's been. I, I'm excited about this one. This is Kathy Pello from <clears throat> Sergeant House. And this is a really interesting label and they do things in a really beautiful way. You should check out their Instagram while we're talking, by the way. Um, but they do things in such a community-minded uh, way that I, I've just absolutely blown away by what I found in my research and then and, and, and then in this interview. We also get into the, the weeds about vinyl and, and how the new lead times are affecting labels of all sizes and how they affect the creativity of the artists and, and, and how it's really challenging for the artists. So I think you're going to find this interview so helpful. Uh, thank you so much for being a listener. Um, speaking of, uh, <laughs> of all the troubles we've had this month, um, we, I'm very excited because very soon I'll be launching a Patreon for the podcast. So if you're a, a longtime listener, um, you're going to be getting some emails about that um, at, or, or I'll be talking about it on this show. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be really exciting to launch in a couple of weeks. Um, for all of our listeners who are in the record label community, I want to remind you that our website, otherrecordlabels.com, is this um, ever-evolving um, source of resources for um, DIY artists, but primarily independent record labels of all sizes to help you educate you and to equip you, and, but most importantly, to encourage you to keep going and to persevere in building and growing your record label. So go to otherrecordlabels.com to learn more about that. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Here's the thing that's interesting. When I, I um, speaking of of your location and dogs, I got lost in your Instagram yesterday, and I I can't figure out what the farm is or the Riverwood Art Co-op. But I have no idea what it is. But I want to live there. I definitely just want to go to there. Can you explain what I'm looking at? Yeah. Uh, are we recording right now? Yes. Because it's a huge. Okay. Um, that is what Sergeant House is all about. I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I finally reached my dream, which was, <laughs> oh, has always been to just build a sort of artist compound. And that's where we live. And Sergeant House has always been based out of a house. It always will be um, a, a huge part of how I work. Who I am is very anti corporation and office and yeah. rules and all of that. And what better way than to kind of have an oasis, you know? And uh, there's guest houses, there's a full recording studio now. Wow. That we want to do sessions. And Riverwood Art Co op is actually something that I'm starting now in answer to 
really wanting to have a new way to help develop new artists without needing to tie them into contracts, without needing to be fully like, oh, okay, I, I like this new artist and I'd really love to like, you know, help them and or expose them to a bigger audience, but I can't take on fully engage and sure, manage sure. and release records and, you know, to to more than really to like one or two max new artists within a one or two year period. Yeah. I really, it, you know, because of the nature of how Sergeant House is, which is that I'm a management company. I, I release the records with my artists you know, the, the setup of, of why and how we do that is because that is what worked the best. It was like, let's cut away all the middlemen. Let's mm -hmm. cut out all of the, you know, needing to have everything be so done by committee instead sure. of just like, Hey, like, this is what we want to do. Let's do it. And yeah. it's, it's cool. And, and, um, so, so are you talking are about like label label services type of thing? No, I, I don't do label services. I'm a record label. I just choose not to sign bands that I'm not <laughs> part of part of their career, you know. Right. And okay. It, and again, you know, this is an interesting thing is, you know, a lot of outsiders looking at it are like, oh, that's bad. You, you know, you shouldn't have your manager be your label. Yeah. It, it, it's just not that way here in that the kind of the the relationships and the kind of artists that I choose to work with it is you know I'm not for hire you know right. I am a curator I'm a I am a like you know I look for interesting stuff that I believe in and then I want to you know participate in a in a really creative level in a business level um, and really what works best is to focus on, you know, the few acts, you know, the few artists that I, that I feel that way about and do the best I can to really elevate them. Um, and that involves manage, you know, running their merch, you know, sure. every, every aspect, tour strategy, everything that I do. And, and part of the, a, a huge part of being a, a really thorough, like sort of manager, like person who really does advise and structure and help you get your career together is also the music and how it's released mm -hmm. and where it's released and what formats it's released on and having total freedom to do it in the way we want, having the freedom for my artists to go this year, a ton of my artists guested on other people's records. Mm. If they were just signed to record labels, they're not allowed to do that, but sure. they're free to do what, is best for them here. That's what, that's what I believe in. You know, that's what Sergeant House stands for. Um, so we're not a record label where you just like send in your demos and then we put out your record. Yeah, right. Not, I saw that. We don't know, yeah. we don't know you and we don't part, you know, we don't know that you're touring. We don't promote your shows yeah. because yeah. we're just a record label. We take you on as a manager and then we put out your records the way we all envision them to be put out. Right. Um, and we do a great job at it. That being said, I've, I've had bands where they were on other labels. You know, I, I'm not anti other labels at all. Um, I don't want to manage bands on other labels anymore. As, you know, like it mm -hmm. would be a, a very extraordinary circumstance just because we've gotten to the point now where we do, <laughs> we do the job better 
then, <laughs> you know, then, then others that are asking to sign my bands and or equal to, and certainly, um, you know, so it, it, it it does, you know, people don't need to understand it or they, you know, I don't need to appeal to everyone. I'm not trying to. Sure. It works really well. Um, and I've. So let me, know, let me ask uh, you, let me ask you just for clarification, when you're talking about Riverwood, it, it sounded like you were, that was something different. Like Riverwood if you can't. Is different. Riverwood is going to be a place where we create sessions and audio visual events. Oh, I that see. We, oh, okay. That okay. We, that we that we then, you know, put out into the world and share with the world and it'll all be cooperative. I the see. the artists that work on it will profit share. It'll be a subscription to be able to watch these really unique presentations that we're going to do that will involve far more than just music. It will also be the elevation of filmmakers, photographers, illustrators, the engineers. It it will really feature all of the people that came, set decorators, lighting technicians, mm. I want to create each event, you know, each audiovisual recording with each artist to have its whole, a whole unique world, um, like its own, like its own play, mm. you know, um, and then, and then feature all of the artisans that work behind the scenes and then profit share with all of those artists. They will get a piece of each of these sessions. Um, Equally, you know, yeah. and uh, that's, that's, great. that's kind of the utopia. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's a way to use access to bigger artists who, you know, will do these sessions and it's to, you know, we'll share with the artisans that work with them. And in turn will allow us to feature new artists and really put them in front of audiences that are more receptive to like checking out new things and things that have been endorsed by the other artists that they, that they already like and have chosen to subscribe to this channel, you know, to see the, to see these events and to support the artists because they'll know that it's actually going into their pockets. Sure. Um, I, I, I want <laughs> That's great. When, I want to go back to this community idea, like the 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 guest houses that you have in the recording uh, studio. I mean, to me, that's just it's so critical uh, a setup like this for artists who need support in more ways than just distribution and promotion. And and, and I, I imagine you've experienced this, where you know whether the the support is mental health or or housing or career coaching, uh, all of that can contribute to their creative out, output. All of that contributes to who they 100%. are. hundred percent. I mean, I, yeah. I've been, I've been housing artists from day one. I mean, there is always an artist living at my house. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> Good for I've you. Had, I've had a lot of my roster has had to live at my house, you know, where they've been either, Oh, a, a breakup and just poverty mm-hmm. and whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I've had artists that have lived with me for, you know, years at a time and, and free of charge and um, really just, again, it's a very different way of life. And, uh, you know, it's a different way that I do business um, and because I, I, it transcends business. It's I, I truly do champion these artists and I do whatever I can to help them, whether it's personal or you know, career. Uh, so again, it's not for everyone. And I don't, it, 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 you can't, 
you know, hire me. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's yeah. like Sergeant House isn't, I'm not a manager that you hire. It's not like, oh, you know, sure, you make a lot of money. I can make this much money. It's very personal. It's mm. very, it's very much, um, if I really believe in an artist, then I will do anything for that artist. And mm. those are the ones that I, that I work with. When we talk, when we talk about, oh, by the way, I want to tell our audience who, um, who might be picturing a hostel right now uh, or, or some sort of like bunkies. These are, this is a really beautiful experience for artists. No, it's too. The four seasons, oh my man. gosh. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. On the subject of community, uh, um, I, I, can you give us some advice? I mean, community is often like a buzzword, like sort of like sustainability or authenticity. How do, how do small labels actually practice community within their label? How do you practice community? I mean, we see that, but how do you suggest that, that smaller labels practice community? I mean, com communities are, you know, real communities are, are grown out of like-mindedness. You know, it's like mm. you can, if you relate to the other artists, it's way more, you know, it's much more feasible that you're going to be able to be communal with them. Um, there is, when I first started Sergeant House 15 years ago, my roster was a continuation of like meeting, you know, like having a band that gets it and is part of the world, you know, like, you know, this is a great band and they're very talented and I believe in them and they tour and they do whatever, like the first band, my very first band was our expanded. And mm. as a result, it was like through our expansions, be like, oh, I met nurses and, you know, or maps analysis or whatever bands, right. you know, and it ends up being that you start to meet, grow outward based on the different people that come into your life. Brian Cook was in These Arms Are Snakes. He's the longest tenured artist of mine. Hmm. I, he was the second band I signed as to manage was These Arms Are Snakes. And through These Arms Are Snakes became this whole like tentacle system of that's, you know, uh, you know, I met Brian, you know, these arms are snakes. And through them, you, you know, it's like, oh, you meet Robin, the photographer that goes with them, that's sure. friends with this band, that turns you on to this band. And it very organically grew into, again, like-minded mm -hmm. bands, the bands that they wanted to take on tour. Then I met, you know, in Chicago, I had Maps Analysis. They introduced me to Russian Circles, Russian Circles. All of a sudden, Brian Cook's in Russian Circles because I introduced, you know, I say, hey, why don't we have Brian play bass, you know, when they needed a new bass player for a record. And then before you know it, it's like intermingled. Yeah. And then it was, you know, oh, well, you know, Chris Common from These Arms Are Snakes produced the Helms Ali record and Hydrahead just shut down. And so now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I love Helms Ali. Oh, well, let's have put up the Helms Ali record. Now they're part of the family. <laughs> and it just keeps going like that. Um, and does that you insulate know, you from, <clears throat> is that like insurance from uh, getting into relationships with the wrong people? It's just... Um, I mean, there's a ton of people that are really good friends with bands and that travel in our circles that I support and I love that I don't work with. Um, I can't work with everybody. It doesn't mean I don't love them. I'm just saying this to someone 
you know, one thing I've learned is I don't need, if I like a band, I don't need to manage that band or put out <laughs> that band's record to like them. I can just appreciate them and be a fan. And I don't need to chase after them and be like, oh, because I love your band so much, I, I have to have you in my right. roster. Um, you know, so I sign way less than the old days. Um, I'm less ex experimental, meaning like it, it, it takes a lot more for me to really pull, jump into like bringing in a new artist into the fold. Um, also because it's gotten extremely more difficult to develop new artists and I know how hard it is. And I really, it's really heartbreaking as well. You know, right. it's very emotionally taxing. So I do really consider that in my decisions. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I'm a person and I have feelings and I, it is devastating for me to believe in something that no one will listen to. Like, uh, I, yeah. I, can talk, I have some of my absolute favorite records that Sergeant House has been involved with were the most underappreciated albums and those, uh, and those bands dissolved and like, and there was nothing I could wow. do. It was like, wow, I'm giving it all my all. I'm doing everything I do for other bands. I'm not doing anything you know, lesser for you. And it's just not connecting. And I cannot explain why. And I'm confused by it. And it causes PTSD, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have PTSD <laughs> from like feeling like a failure. You sure, know, I don't think yeah. I don't know if a lot oh of artists gosh. understand. Like I also, you know, and I have to carry a lot of emotional weight for, for and with artists, you know, yeah. because, because they do suffer a lot of, there's so many things that artists have to go through that, that fans just don't think about or understand how real it is. Mm. Social media, a huge part of it. Like I think about the comments people leave and, and I, I just wonder, like, I wonder if they realize how fucking devastating that comment is to the person uh. they just put that on the page of, or on my page. Right. Like, I wonder if they ever, if it ever crosses their mind, how absolutely unkind and fucked up that comment is, and mm. and, and and why do they? Why do people think that everyone's oblivious to being mentally abused um, right. on social media? You know, um, that's like a really. Uh, you know, and, 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 and critics, you know, being, putting out, putting out art into the world and then having strangers judge you with this sense of entitlement. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very tough to go through. And, 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 and again, I love these people, my artists, I, I care deeply about them and have to suffer with them and know that it's painful or, or joyous or whatever it is, you know? Um, but that's, you know, that's I, a, that's, tough element of this business. And it's definitely kept me from signing a lot of bands because I already know they're great. I already know I would have signed them if it was 10 years ago, but I know the heartache that will come because I know how hard it will be and that there aren't enough ears listening to kind of more avant-garde stuff or, or just stuff that isn't just basic, you know? Yeah, no, and absolutely. I've never thought about this perspective, you know, even though I, 
work with labels every day and I've experienced what you're talking about. I've never really been that empathetic to the label person who is pitching these records. But I know the feeling of pitching a record that you love. And then when that rejection letter comes back from the whatever publication, it it hurts me just as much as it would hurt the artists if they were getting it. So I, I, but I've never it thought really about does. it. I, I, and that's, it really does. Very and, profound. And also, it's also really hard Today I read a comment, you know, where they're literally trashing my record label like as if we're some corporate entity because right. their record was warped. Right. You know, like, oh, you know, don't ever buy records from Sergeant House. I just got a warped record and, and they won't give me a new one. It's like, I can't. It's 120 degrees out in Arizona. <laughs> if you're ordering a record in the summer, and this isn't me being callous, this yeah, is yeah. real. No, I, I operate in a house. Like, yeah. I am not some huge, I'm not Amazon, and I can just like write it off to my billions and like send out a new <laughs> copy of a limited edition vinyl that isn't even available, is sold out, and I don't even have another copy to send you. But it's also like, you know, don't go and accusatorily and publicly tagging me. Ta you know, and, and tagging the artist to like complain, like, look at your shitty label. It's not cool. Right. It's it's really people don't think about. It, it's hurtful for us because we're so not that way. We are so uh, fan centric, so artist centric, totally. and it's just like, man, think about the think about the stuff you say. You know, it's yeah. like again. Also, I'm a woman. It's like look at sign like. Seeing, seeing these female athletes pulling out of the Olympics and whatever for mental health, like, bravo, man, stand up for yourself. And, mm. and to then just look at people, dudes, of course, commenting about it. Sure. And it's like, you know, everyone needs to start acting like human beings again. Like, yeah. Trump is out of office. Can we go back to fucking <laughs> being normal and not aggressive and not it doesn't and seem like it. Mean and just it's disgusting. <laughs> it's really despicable. But anyway, so you know, it's funny. I have, I have, uh, I ordered a record from a, a great independent label back in March, and I think they said it would ship in June. And I haven't heard anything at all. And I'm really excited to get it, but I'm I'm being very patient. And I know what what's going on at the plant. I know because I'm a label, I'm empathetic to what's happening. And like. I'm not going to tweet. I'm not going to send them an email and say, where's my record? If it comes in October, November, whatever, because uh, I imagine they're already getting inundated. Um, yeah. So anytime, well, I mean, yeah. That being, said, that being said, I'm extremely open about things. Like, I think it's important that we communicate. I don't, I don't, you know, find out that a record I promised in June is going to end up being December and not tell everyone, hey, we're really sorry. True. True. This yeah. is what's happening. So, you know, records, Labels do have the, the the responsibility to communicate with people who've bought records. We are also extremely, you know, on top of changing the descriptions when we have, you know, when a records or making clear, you know, the lingua ignota and the death heaven. They're they're artist colors. They sold out immediately, and so we put in a new order. They will not be done until February of twenty twenty two. So my we gosh. wrote, we wrote, you know, hey. Reserve a copy. If you want a copy in an exclusive color, these will ship in early 2022. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can order, you can, you can order a copy now because these will also sell out. So if you want to make sure you're going to get one, then do it, but just know you're not going to get it on release date. Yeah. Um, 
You know what? And, and yeah. the vinyl, the vinyl thing is actually something that's definitely worth talking about um, with regard to you know what's happening right now. Sure. Labels. It's again an, another thing where outside looking in, you just have no idea of how much of an impact this has on everyone, all of the artists' lives, the record labels, the managers, the people, the booking agents, touring. Yeah. Everything is so disrupted when you cannot get vinyl for twelve months. Right. Um, it used to be four, you know. So it, you know, if you had if you had four months, you knew like you could get your test press and you get, it was fine. And if you wanted, and if you re, if you sold out in pre order, you could just reorder and you know. <laughs> it release date, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, so, are labels delaying? Are you seeing labels de- pushing the release date back or encouraging artists oh, to yeah. I mean, wait, uh, or are uh, they just wo- re- like woven hand? The, 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 the label in Germany that he puts it out is said, you know, there's no way we will not release the record Without digitally vinyl. only wow. and then just vinyl. Because, and, and what fans have to understand and artists have to understand is this is for your own good. You know, retail also will not retail and prep. You know, it's like if you're not putting out the physical release in conjunction with, you know, it's, it's all at once. The coverage is different and less. The um, stores, it's like, oh, we don't want to order a record that's been out for six months. It's oh, really yeah. like, yeah, yeah it's, it's really weird. And that's it's true. not as simple as just, oh, well, I just want it out now. And like, unfortunately, now that it's really crept into like, literally 12 months later is mm-hmm. the date. Yeah, Nine I'm hearing to 12 that. months. Um, and some people are just being turned down, you know, if you're a small label and you're like, Hey, we want to make 500. They're just like, get away from us. You know, we're making, we're making 50,000 Billie Eilish records right now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) you know, more power to her, but whatever the point is, all of a sudden there's this flood of the market of legacy acts and everyone's jumping into the vinyl game, not to mention COVID, not to mention plants closed down and there's barely any cutters, you know, people to cut the true. Yeah. Cut, actually cut the lacquers well. And there's and a plastic like, shortage too, right? The, uh, and, yeah. And yeah. I haven't even gotten to that part. Yeah. And of course there's also the shortage of the actual things needed to make it. Yeah. So it's just one big it nightmare. Is. It is. It's one big nightmare. And you can't, the other thing is, you know, Again, some bands vinyl doesn't wag their tail. Like, but for us, <laughs> it is a huge, huge component right. um, of our releases and of you know. And then touring, the the COVID thing has just been an ongoing nightmare mm. of trying to plan, and then <laughs> just plans being foiled and and yeah. thinking like, oh, okay, this is going to be the fall of twenty twenty one. We'll be fine by now. And like, look what's happening. All yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> We might be back in Mask Town. It's true. Yeah, it's such a. It's it's really really been a difficult juggling act. But the vinyl thing, again, it is really really disrupting the planning of records. Um, you know, saying to a band of mine, it, it used to be so hard to say to bands, "Hey, we have to have everything five months in advance. That's the the minimum we have to have it to yeah. get it made in the system, promoted, the whole thing." That's now twelve months, and that's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> bands, bands aren't going to have, you know, nor should they need to like 
you know, make a record and have it wait 12 months because of, because of vinyl. Especially if they've been sitting on their hands for the last 12 months with the pandemic. So they're, yeah, they're you've just yeah, you've, already, you've already held yeah. their record for two years. Yeah. I mean, I already have like so many grouchy artists. Like, <laughs> and again, it's like, it's not my fault. I love you. I'm doing this for your own good. If I had put your record out on 2020, in May of 2020, you know, Storefront Church is a perfect example of a record that was supposed to come out May 2020. It came out May 2021. And I just think of the difference, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it got stereo gum artists to watch. It got reviewed. It got, you know, like it got, you know, uh, press to cover it in 2021. No one would have been there in 2020. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And even that, it's still so hard to like, you know, you put out a record now, you put out a great record and you put out great songs and it gets, even if, even if you, we're so fortunate that our, our bands do get covered, um, but like they get covered and 24 hours later, it's crickets, you know, right, it's old there's, news. No yeah. sustaining, there's no continual talk. It is a constant flow of you put out a song, everyone's excited for six minutes and oh then my gosh. crickets, you yeah. know, like, fuck. It's so it's, true. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's very tough. And and honestly, it goes back to my mental health, you know, the mental health conversation where my mental health can't take it. I can't put out just I can't, you know, do all of the the, the that emotion again where it's like, oh, I found this great young new artist and I believe in them so much. And then I just know the heartache. Yeah. But you know what? No one attention can't even get like a blog to write about it. And you're, and it's like, okay, well then you're literally just sitting here, you know, old man shouting at cloud about But I think that there's something great. I want to give a counter to what you're talking about. I understand it's difficult for your mental health, but there's something beautiful about what a record label, what a healthy record label does to come alongside artists and to support them to know because it is so hard for artists for them to know they at least have you in their corner. I feel like that's got to mean a lot. I hope so. I mean, I I don't know if they realize how, I don't know if all of them realize that it's not the norm, you know, that there's people that care that much, but there are also, I have come across and work with labels where there really are people who care behind the scenes. And again, I think labels get shitty, have like, have the old fashioned stereotype that has changed a lot. You know, like if you're an independent record label and you've been doing it for, you know, 15 years and you've, and you're still around, you're doing something, right? you know, like you can't, stay in business if you you know if you just got in it because you thought it was going to be easy and you're gonna you know you have to care about it and um and and i and i i have again you know worked with people at record labels on bands that i was only managing and there are a lot of great people who care um and it but it is really important and and the one thing that is different with sergeant house and that i've you know said artists is the one difference is like, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna sign here and I'm not gonna work here a year later. Like yeah, the person that you true, loved true. at that label who signed you and, you know, six 
months later left <laughs> and now the new person taking over couldn't give a fuck about your band right. doesn't like your band and you're stuck there um you know and, yeah. and that was also that that actually that exact thing that i just described is a huge reason why i just started putting out the records with my bands because it was like yeah this person's really cool that wants to sign the band but they don't own their label they're not they're definitely not someone who's going to be there 10 years from now if, if even two years from now and that's a that's a very different deal than signing with someone who owns like you know when we did the death heaven deal with with anti that was really appealing to me because Brett does own the record label and he will be there. And he was a champion. He loved the record. He loved the band. And so I felt good to do a record deal with him for them. Um, so yeah, it, it, it makes, uh, Let, let's makes talk about, let's talk about the last 15 years. Can you tell me how the events that led up to, to you starting this label? Oh my God. Uh, I owned a production company. I was a producer and I, and I represented cinematographers and directors and writers mm. for film and music videos and commercials. And I was from New York. I owned a company called New York office with uh, a woman named Julian Hausler. And when I lost my rent control department in, in New York, I said, you know, it's time for me to just like, I'm going to go to LA and I, and my passion has always really been music. I love film but I was getting jaded and sick of it. And I thought, I just, I just want to have fun. Yeah. I want to make music videos. And this is back, you know, when you actually music videos had budgets and sure. I, I came out and I started refuse TV. And then I started making a television show, a music television show that I put on public, like on, on least cable. So I would just put it on once a week this great show and, and I would feature bands I thought were really great. Unsigned bands, just unknown bands, little bands. And it was sort of my gift back to the world. I was like, I gotta, I make music videos for a living. So many people, I had a daughter and I was like, man, it sucks you don't get to have MTV. Someone needs to, <laughs> you know, MTV, you know, was great when I was a kid. So I was like, someone needs to bring that back where you like expose people to good music. They're not, that aren't getting played on the radio. It isn't getting played on TV. Sure. So that was my sort of thing. I was like, I'm going to just make Refuse TV. And everyone told me, oh, you're crazy. You're like, you're paying money to like put, you're like you're spending <laughs> your own money to put a show up. And it used to cost $400. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I spent $400 and I have a half an hour of television. You're putting, you know, taking thousand dollar ads and shoot magazine for your production company. I'm making a TV show and people, millions of people are watching it <laughs> within like 5 million homes. And everyone would laugh, you know, sort of yeah. laugh at me and thought, Oh, that's so cute. And, and I was only doing it for love of music and, and of directors. I wanted people to see these really great videos as well that never get got played. And I ended up getting a television show offer from a cable channel. Wow. They were like, we want to syndicate your show. And so that led to like me making a different show uh, for them, which, which was Fuel TV. And it was called Split because they weren't allowed to put, they wanted music, but they weren't allowed to not have sports. So we oh. had to cut music videos into sports. <laughs> and I cut really cool videos, like Refuse New Noise and all these, you know, all these like great bands back, you know, then and put them with extreme skateboarding and shit. <laughs> but, um, 
But it was funny because, again, the show that everyone laughed at me for ended up making a lot of money, which I then invested in kind of helping bands. And that's where I met so many bands doing PCD that I thought were great. And I was like, you know, I could help you. I, I know all the A&R people. I know all the labels. I'm a music video commissioner for these huge major labels. I have a huge production company that does everyone's videos. I was very connected. Mm. And um, so... I just wanted to start helping bands, and I've always been a manager of artists. I've always represented artists, and so it started as accidental, you know? And then our bandits came to me, and they said, is there any way you could help us? We really want to get off our label, and they're keeping us hostage. And that was the first time I said, okay, this is really fucked up. I'm, not, I'm absolutely going to go in, and I'm going to do this. And I negotiated a deal. I got them off. And I put out their record for them. Wow. And that's how it started. And and we did a great job. And we got a great distribution deal. And and um, and it felt good. And it felt empowering. It felt like, wow, we really can just do, do things the way we want. We don't have to ask permission to do it this way or that way. You know, we can make new kind of rules. We don't have to use, like, old-fashioned templates of how everything has to be done. And that's how it started. Um, and, again, I was doing it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to start a label. It was, I'm going to, I'm managing this band. And then I loved these arms of snakes. I saw them at a show. International Noise Conspiracy was in town. And, and I love Dennis. But I named Refuse TV after him. And um, I wanted to go see them. And I'd never heard of these arms of snakes. And they opened, like, were the direct support. And I was like, holy shit, this band's like, I love this band. <laughs> and so I said, please, let me, let me help you guys. Let me help you. And they thought I was just some crazy woman. <laughs> Um, and I was like, you can stay at my house. Da, 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 da. And, uh, and that was the beginning, you know, that, then that opened up the whole like Seattle chapter. And then I learned, you know, met daughters and like, it just started steamrolling into like all these different, you know, different, you know, bands. Uh, and again, at first, you know, not all bands, Russian circles were on a different label. Um, I was really, in my mind, I was just going to manage bands and find them record deals and then do a good job helping them with the record deals because I had this successful production company. And then I just realized nobody wants to sign my weirdo bands or the deals <laughs> were like, hey, we'll give you $3,000 and own everything yeah, forever. Yeah. So I was like, fuck you, man. These deals are bullshit. I'm not going to let them do this. I can put up the money to make the record and let's just share. Like, let's just like make it successful and share and let me figure out ways where we can really get the artist the most money, which was how we do our merch thing. It's mm. like, it all goes to the artists and, and we just started creating a system where we could make the records not just heard, but also financially viable and that they would actually make the, the band's money. Mm. Um, and that's, that's how it started. And then I just started really not liking having to do all, to do all the work w that I would do to build up records for other labels because it was like yeah oh for <laughs> this sure really fair like uh, all of my work is what helped elevate this artist and this record and now i gotta chase you to even get the royalty That's statement right. let alone, you know and then i i own a record label so i know it's bullshit and it's <laughs> not really like you know so so now 15 years later i i definitely don't want to you know that's not something i want to do um and where did the and, vision for like the compound come into it in the recording studio and, and 
I've been looking for the pro the right property for ages, and um, I've had I've I've bought like different houses, and they were never right. It was always like, okay, I bought one in the high desert, and I thought I was going to renovate it like out in Palmdale, and it was like, oh god, you know, all of these like it just became impossible. It was like all the permits needed and all these mm. things. And it was bureaucracy. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of this. And then I bought another house in the high desert in Pinion Hills where Emma wrote Mark for death and recorded it there. Um, it had guest houses. It had the same things, but it was like in mess town, you know? And I was like, yeah. I don't want to invest <laughs> the money into building a recording studio here right. because, it, you know, it was just about, it was sure. just like, I don't, I'm going to unload this and I got to go find the right property. And I was with Emma when I found this place and this is six acres and it's in wow. Los Angeles wow. and it's on top of the mountain in this private ranch where you literally could, might as well be in Costa Rica. It's so removed Jeez, from everything, crazy. but you just drive down and you're at a sushi place, you know? So, um, <laughs> So it has everything. It, it is truly paradise. And so then I just started saying, this will become the compound. And so I built, I started just building things. And COVID is when we built the guest houses. I was like, okay, no one's vi visiting. I have nothing to do. There's no tours. <laughs> what a great time to start just having construction. Yeah. And so the last year we did. And, and then Deaf Heaven came and was using the garage, this big steel building we had that used to be the office was using it to to write the new record in. And okay. it was so loud. It was so loud. And I was like, man, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to make this, I'm going to sheetrock the walls, replace the roof. And I thought, again, very minimally, like, oh, we'll just make it like a, a rehearsal space. And then Brendan from Red Sparrows, Brendan Tobin, who had built studios and stuff, I thought of him and I went, oh, hey, dude, you want to come work on this? And he slowly but surely was like, it would be really cool if you put a control room in. It would be yeah. much cooler if you got rid of that like kitchen <laughs> and took the loft down because of the sound. And and he just inched me into like, I'm making a recording studio. Yeah. Aren't I? Oh, that's great. And it and it's beautiful. And the only thing I wouldn't let him let anyone convince me of was getting rid of the huge 14 foot windows, right. which we just sealed and we did a, a, all this kind of. He did this treatment to them, and we have like these, you know acoustic drapes but it was like it's just such a beautiful space and and now the bands really love love writing in there and demoing there and they will eventually i'm sure we will absolutely record records there um again my bands are never obligated to record like i'm not it's not like oh i built a recorder so you have to sure, record there sure just something that is available should they need it and it is it, it is definitely um uh, you know, Mutoid Man came and have been writing in there and they love it. You know, they're like, this is insane. And, 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 and they make demos and they're like, okay, but these are literally as good as a record. I'm like, yeah, it is a recording studio. Yeah. So yeah. I, I could definitely see, you know, the more that people actually come in and they realize this isn't like a game. This is actually has all the mics, has all the stuff we need. People will start to record there, but it really was something I did to create Riverwood Art Co-op, which was, again, a play, a, a way to share, a way to you know invite artists, and also I want to do things, do co special collaborations, and sure. you know put put artists together, you know, hey, 
two people, you know, these artists are in town and like, let's come over and do a song together and, and just do special things and you utilize it. Also, we can, you know, do special things to raise money for things that we believe in. I want it to be, I really want to create like a fund to, to help new bands where we can like, you know, subsidize touring where it's like, you get a opening slot on the tour. We're going to give you $5,000 toward the van and, wow. you know, really come up with ways to raise money to help support music and art, you know, and, and, you know, and have it be, that's a true community, you know, where it's like if Chelsea Wolf can come and do a duet with Perfume Genius and they say, Hey, we don't, you know, we're down to like contribute, you know, a share Mm -hmm. of this to go towards helping, new bands or something. That's my dream, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, but that's I, what I'm working on. This, that's incredible. I, I'm putting you on the spot, but was there a, a mindset you had in the early days that you, you've now changed or evolved from? There must be an incredible amount of clarity that comes with 15 years of, of doing this. Um, I mean, again, I, I, I go back to the mental health thing, which is, I, I truly, 15 years ago, I didn't protect my mental health right. or think about it. And now it's important to me and it's important. And I think about it for my artists and I care about it deeply. And I really, um, you know, I'm the first one who's like, don't worry, we don't need to do this tour. Like, you don't need to, like, you know, I, I, uh, so no I, so again, I, yeah I agree yeah, with that I mean, that's great it's like you know I, I I think in those terms a lot I think that I, I'm going to transform the thinking around how artists tour and promote their records and it's not going to be the old template of like oh get on the road for seven weeks and then do it again and mm. it's just too mentally taxing it's not it's it, a lot of things have changed costs of things and you know, just a lot of things are, are different and you have to always be adapting to, 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 to how things are changing. Things are changing, you know, when digital is now literally the main method, right. it's very different than 15 years ago when it didn't exist really, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I just kind of try to stay on the ball and, I, um, you know, think about things and, and I take on less, I take on, I'm much more about quality over quantity and I'm much more interested in like, I don't care if there's only 10 people on my roster, if that's what needs to be, if they're the 10 right people, Uh, I don't need to collect all the toys. I don't need (laughs) to have a shelf full of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want what's healthy. I've turned down or parted ways with um, situations and artists and bands and stuff that just mentally drained me in a way that wasn't good, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and, 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 I, and that's cool, you know? There was this so. Q&A you did on Instagram that I thought was so great. And you said uh, uh, when someone asked you, uh, you know, how you know if an artist is good fit for your label, you said you usually know within the first minute. I, like, I think that's that's great to hear it. I mean, it's not that unbelievable. I mean, I can make a fairly informed decision on someone at a party or or hearing a, a few seconds of a track. You must have at this point, you must have an incredible trust in your own uh, discernment. I definitely do. I, I, um, 
I, uh, it's also, there's, there's nothing, you know, better than knowing I don't have to answer to anyone. So Mm. uh, if I want to take a risk, it's mine to take. And that's extremely, and I think that is the reason I've been able, or Sergeant House has been able to be creative and consistent is that. I can take risks and I fucked up stuff, you know, or, or (laughs) I've picked, you know, I've picked bands that I thought were going to like, you know, I could, I don't want to even name them because I don't want it to seem like they didn't do well, but it's a heart again, heartbreaking to me because I I was convinced like this music. And now of course I, I I talk about them and people are like, damn, that band, where are they? It's like, yeah, where are they? Where were you? Five years ago I was yelling about how amazing their record was and none of y'all listened to it. None of y'all reviewed it. None of you paid attention to it. Um, so, but the thing is, is that, you know, really nothing, I don't feel that I've ever put out anything that was bad. That was like, Oh, this, that was, that was a mistake. Mm. Um, just some got received better than others or, and not even better, just got received and others were ignored. Um, so I don't know. Do you think there's like an unpredictability to it or have you seen a pattern where certain records do better than others. Uh, or- there's there's an absolute unpredictability yeah, to yeah. it. If it was predictable, it would be great. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's, that's, that's where I say like, okay, you know, like I, there are certain records where I was like convinced. I was like, dude, this is going to get best new music. Like there's yeah. no way Pitchfork's not going to like yeah. love this or, or whatever. Or, and it's literally like, doesn't even get reviewed. Pass. Yeah. And it's like, wow, what, what was that? You know? Right. And then I'll have records where I'll think there's no way it's ever going to get even on their radar and, and, and that's what gets best in music so i'll never <laughs> figure that out right um and i don't try and that's a, a that's huge good. piece of yeah. advice i'll give to everyone is please artists stop giving a shit about pitchfork uh. um <laughs> <sighs> no, that is great it is great advice and not just pitchfork but to to really anything to just do your own thing yeah yeah i mean just make great stuff it is it is let's not bullshit it feels great when when mm-hmm, people pay mm-hmm, attention and yeah. they say you have a great record. Let's not lie and say it doesn't matter. It fucking <laughs> does. Um, but this this equating success with like whether that one site notices you, don't do it. And it's evolved, it's changed so much that it's not even it's not even a truth teller of like sure yeah anything because it, it leaves out so many important records and it's you know 100%. whatever i'm not gonna get yep, into yeah, yeah. No, i'm no, not no. they're I... doing their thing and no <laughs> no grudges because they they support a yeah. lot of our records bless them yeah but i'm just saying like that you know i know it's, it's, yeah it's like the ultimate judge you know? yeah yeah the totally. homecoming queen you know <laughs> Mean girls. <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much for doing this. This has been such an honor to talk to you. So much great wisdom in this episode. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I like to ramble. No, it's great. You can find out more about this great label at by going to sergeanthouse.com. Um, I know, you know, I'm saying this, but this is a this is an iconic record label in our in our industry and so I, I'm sure I don't need to talk it up. Everybody knows how great it is and it was such a, a an honor to, to chat with Kathy. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a continued listener. I just want to remind you that we'll be launching a Patreon soon. I'm very excited about 
with that, please visit our website for any resources that will help your record label, otherrecordlabels.com. Thanks for listening.